get to be a part of the supernatural, that you get to be a part of advancing the kingdom in a way that you never ever thought you deserved or would ever be a part of. This is the path I have you on. Um, and like Clint said, we are just asking God to show us each day what is the next step that you're asking of us and trying to be obedient in that. I think there can be lots of different kinds of community. You know, some people find it in writers and directors, some of you find it in actors. I think it's what I'm talking about is just finding a team of people that you can be inspired by, that can push you, that can challenge you, that can support you when you're down. I think that's really important. You get it through community, you get it through the support of other people, and I get it, you get it through you supporting other people as well. What tables have God called you to say, hey, go sit over there with that family? The real power of the church is when we're intentional about going to tables that other people don't go to. Well, good afternoon. Uh, we are so excited for our Move Out Gathering, which is coming up this next weekend. And if you've been around Kensington for any amount of time, you've probably heard about our leadership gathering. We've kind of combined that with our Move Out Conference to create one experience. And so we really believe that each one of you has influence, that you have an impact on the lives that are around you, and that you are a leader. And so we have designed this two-day event for you, because we want you to be able to see that God has a vision for you, for where you are at in your life right now, and how he can use you. And so we would invite you to come be a part of this event. It's a free event. There's an incredible speaker lineup. And really, it's a time for you to be equipped and empowered for where you are at in life. So you can find out more information about that uh, by going to kensingtonchurch.org. Well, my name is Shauna, and I'm the production manager here at Clinton Township, and I just want to say welcome. We are so glad to have you here with us today. And if it is your first time here, we'd love to say a special welcome to you, and we'd actually love the opportunity to meet you. And so after service, we would invite you to stop by the hub um, out in the lobby as we have a special gift that is just for you. The hub is kind of in the middle of the lobby, and you'll see there's some people wearing some orange t-shirts there. And it's kind of the place to go to find out information. You can discover more about Kensington, ask questions. Think of it as your one-stop shop for all things Kensington. Now, another great resource that helps you stay connected to what's happening around here is our app. I don't know if you know that we have an app. It's free to download. Um, and it has all the keeps you connected into what's going on and coming up and stuff. But one of the new things that has just been added to our app is our program. So most of you, when you walked in today, you probably got that paper program that kind of tells you what's coming up, some of the upcoming trips, events, and all that stuff. That is now part of the app. So on the bottom navigation menu, there's a little icon now that says program. And so that you can stay connected and have that at your fingertips all throughout the week. And so if you have not downloaded that, we'd encourage you to do that so you can stay connected to what's happening here. Now this Wednesday, it is a midweek service, and we are super excited as we are hosting midweeks once a month. And we would love for you to just come out because it's like a deeper dive to get connected into the community here at Kensington. And it's going to be a night with an inspiring message and really some engaging worship. So please come back on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for that. Now we are in week two of our series called Vertical Marriage. And we are thrilled today to have the authors of the book Vertical Marriage. Dave and Ann Wilson are here with us today. They, yes, give it up for them. We are super excited. It's gonna, you guys are in for a real treat, let me tell you. They are some of the founding pastors of Kensington. They also lead our Orion campus. 
and they will actually be in the lobby after service. You might have seen them when you came in this morning um, to sign your book. If you bought a book, you can, or you can buy a book today and get them to sign that. But before we do that, we thought we'd have a little fun today, okay? So this whole series is about marriage. So we're going to have a game, okay? So I'm going to invite my friends here, Nicole and Adrian, to come on up. Because there is nothing quite like playing a game with your spouse, right? I don't know what it's like for you, but me and my spouse, we're very competitive when it comes to things like that. So we're going to have a little fun because this game is called Who Can Get Out the Door First? Okay? I don't know what your life is like, but I know for me, sometimes getting out the door can be a little difficult, okay? It feels like more like a marathon of an obstacle course, right? Whether you're going to work, you're getting the kids off to school, you're trying to get to church on time, that's like a miracle, okay? Like seriously. So we've created some obstacles for you guys that you have to accomplish. And whichever spouse does it first wins an awesome prize, okay? So the first thing they have to do is they have to re-diaper the baby with the new diaper, okay? We have these beautiful twin girls here today with us. Um, as many busy spouses, you know, life is just busy, you're going to have to fold your laundry, okay? So you're going to have to fold the shirt, put the socks together, and then you're going to realize it's going to be a busy day, so you better get some food. So you are going to make yourself the most delicious bologna and cheese sandwich, but you don't have to eat it. That's totally optional. There is no extra points, though. So, um, and then you're going to realize, I am running really late, so then you're going to have to text to your boss, who happens to be me today, I'm going to be late to work, okay? So that's what you're going to have to do. But here's the thing. Like in life, we need people, right? We need other people to believe in us, to cheer us on. So these guys are going to need your help today. So we're going to kind of divide the room in half. And everyone over here, you guys are cheering for Nicole. So let me hear you cheer for Nicole. Let's try it out. Okay, there you go. They're there for you, okay? And everyone on this side, you guys are cheering for Adrian. So can you guys give it up? All right, so they need your support, okay? So are you guys ready? You're gonna go baby dolls, laundry, sandwich, text. Yep. He's never done any of this. He's gonna need your help, okay, you guys? Like, you're gonna really have to do this. But we believe in you, we do, we do. Okay, so on your mark, just, just try your best, that's all, yeah. Just cheer them on, guys. It's all right. So, on your marks, get set, and go. We're doing the baby. So, you guys, come on. He needs your help today, okay? This is new to him. But we believe in you, Adrian. We believe in you. You can do this. You can diaper the doll. Oh, yes. All right, guys, let's give it up for Nicole. Let's hear you cheer for her. She's doing awesome. You guys are on the same pace. What do you mean you've never done this? Okay, you've got this. Look at that. You can be a pro. Amazing. <laughs> he said it's because it doesn't stink. That's why he was doing so good. All right, you guys. All right, let's hear you cheer for them. Come on, they're folding their laundry. You guys got this? Oh, yes. He's a fast folder. There you go. Let's see. Can you guys do it? You guys, cheer on. Come on, give it up to them. They got this. Let's see. Which spouse is going to win? Oh, she's on to the sandwich. You can still catch up. We believe in you. You got this. All right, there's nothing like a good bologna and cheese sandwich, said no one, I don't think. All right, so everybody, come on, you guys, I need to hear you. They need warm bologna sandwich. It's the best. It's the absolute. Okay, we're on to the texting. Who's going to do it first? Got to get the phone out. Get the phone out. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's see. We're going, we're going. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? You guys, let's cheer them on this last little bit here. Oh, okay. I think, I think. 
critical, and of course, because no game is great without a beautiful prize that you can share with your spouse or keep to yourself. So, thank you guys. Can you guys give it up to the guys? Thank you guys for playing so much. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. And let's give it up for this backstage crew, guys. They do awesome. I don't know if you know this, but on a given Sunday, there are actually hundreds of people that are making things happen around here at CT. Whether it's backstage doing stuff, it's here in the auditorium as our ushers out in the lobby. We have greeters and people out there working at the hub and K-Kids, student ministries, and honestly, everywhere in between. They really make it happen. We cannot do it without a team of volunteers that serve here every single Sunday and throughout the week. We have people that volunteer to help make sure groups and classes and different ministries are constantly just running, but also phenomenal. And so we just thank them. But we, today, we want to take a few minutes and just say, you know what, we would encourage you, if you have not jumped into a serving group, we would love for you to check that out. There's nothing quite like being a part of a group that's giving back and being a part of what God is doing here at Kensington at our Clinton Township campus. We think it's a phenomenal opportunity and really um, to just give you kind of the heart behind it and what the experience could be like for you. I'm going to invite my friends John and Teresa to come out here with us today. Um, these guys are incredible and they've been volunteering here for quite some time so we're going to get to hear from them. And really what happens when you take that step, sometimes you're not even too sure you're like, I don't know, maybe I'm, I don't have enough the skills or I don't think I could do that. That maybe just stepping out, what God could do through your life and in, in, in you by just taking that little step of faith. Because maybe you're wired for something, maybe you have a passion for kids. Then go check out K-Kids. We'd love for you to be a part of that. We need you to be a part of what God is doing here and to be on mission with us. We need more people. And so um, can you guys just share for us, I guess, real quickly, how long have you guys been coming here to Kensington, and how long have you guys been volunteering? We've been coming to Kensington for 15 years now, and we've been serving for 14. Wow, that's amazing, 14 years. Wow, yes, seriously, guys, thank you so much. So in those 14 years, what have you guys volunteered in? What areas? Well, we started off with um, the Usher Greeter team, and then we moved to the coffee team where we served as a family. Then we moved to um, women's ministry and men's ministry, and then to premarital, and now we're marriage mentoring. Wow, that's incredible. That's a lot of different things, and we are so grateful for each of those and for each of you that are involved in serving in those things. So obviously, 14 years is a long time, and so there's something probably in this volunteering, being a part of a serving team that you've enjoyed, that has, you know, connected you to this. So could you guys share what it has meant to you guys personally and how it's affected your marriage? Here we are in a series called Vertical Marriage. What has that been for you guys? Um, as you know, I also volunteered to be Dave's uh, stunt double. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, last week, he, he has bad knees, so I had to do the, the tandem bicycle. <laughs> Wasn't that an amazing video? Yeah. Um, to, an to answer your question, I'm, I'm one of those guys when someone like you is up here so excited about this, I'm like trying to think of how I could get out of it because I know Teresa's going to volunteer for this. <laughs> uh, all of those things she mentioned, she volunteered us for. And I, I could honestly say as I stand here today, um, our life has been immeasurably different because of each thing that we did. Um, what it's done for us in our walk, uh, our personal walk with Christ, and then what it's done for 
us as, as a mom and a dad and as, as friends and the way we connected to community through that has just, has just been amazing. And um, we, we love and appreciate that Kensington gives us the opportunity. And from, from the guy that never wanted to do it, um, just, just jump in, just jump in. And being part of the marriage mentoring program has been just tremendous. We, it's helped our marriage because we have to practice what we preach. We enjoy just our passion is helping people in their marriage. And you don't have to have a bad marriage or a problem in your marriage for that. Um, it's just we walk alongside couples. And if marriage is your passion, come see us because we'd love to have more couples. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I think that's a key thing is that um, having a passion for it. You know, I think God has wired each one of us with a passion. There's something inside of us that awakens us, right? We get excited to be a part of it. And I think there's many opportunities here. Maybe you'd be like, there's no way there's something here that would do that for me. Um, but I would hope that you would maybe take the challenge to explore that. Because we do. We need you. We need people on our team to help make this place be everything that it is. And it's not just that we need you, but I think what you've heard from them today is also the impact that it can have on your own life. And when we all of a sudden go, you know what, there's something bigger than this, than it's just me. God does something. There's a purpose that gets fulfilled in our hearts when we get to be a part of that and be part of a community that you can belong to. Because we understand walking into this place can feel really big and overwhelming at times. And I think one of the ways to make it feel small and feel like it's a family and you have community is through our serving teams. So we'd encourage you to stop by one of our tables after the service today and just check out um, what we have available. Our teams would love to be able to talk with you. So let's give it up for these guys. Thank you guys so much for sharing today. We so appreciate you. Well, before we dive into um, today's message, you guys are in for a treat with Dave and Ann today. I just would love for you guys to stand up and say hello to those that are around you.
much more than promises this time. Only God can change our minds. Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring healing still be spoken and save us the only way will last forever is broken together Tell you what, that song, I don't know if you've heard it before, came out in 2014 by Casting Crown. It's so beautiful. It's gorgeous. It, and it's so, so true. Yeah, it's so true. And I'm, the, I'm not kidding. We drove from Rochester this morning. I would have driven that far for that cello. That cello Isn't that good? was absolutely gorgeous. Dominic did Thanks. such a good job. You remember I used to play? 
Yeah, Dave used to play the bass. I was in the upper, I was in the orchestra in high school with the little bow tie and dang, dang, Did that make dang. you want to play it again? Anyway, uh, I didn't play like that. That guy, That's he could play. Anyway, we are uh, Dave and Ann, and we are so excited to be at Clinton Township. We love Clinton Township. Yeah, it's really fun. The only time I ever really drive over here is usually on my motorcycle to go to Wolverine Harley. And it's because it's a long way. It's a good ride on a bike. But uh, we're excited about what God's doing here and in this campus and your new building is awesome. I'm so jealous. It's so nice. We have a great building at Orion, but man, you guys are like next level. So it's it's really exciting to be here. And uh, You are a little jealous, aren't you? I am you? jealous. <laughs> they have like uh, 18 urinals and we have two in our whole building. So <laughs> I just said urinals at church. Yes, I did. Um, right. But it's true. But um, yeah, we, we're excited. This week too, of a five-part five series uh, on vertical marriage. And it really goes right along with the book. And if you've heard us before, you've heard some of the things we said. Hopefully you're new and you haven't heard any of this. But uh, we're excited because we're in a whirlwind right now. We've never written a book before. We've never done a book launch, and uh, it, we're everywhere. It's just God's really opening some doors. I don't know if you knew this. I didn't say this all morning. I, I, I wanted to. I don't know what you're going to say. Oh, well, well Ann wrote a, a blog for Ann Voskamp, has a really big uh, website, and it's out, out of control. I mean, this blog that she wrote is about one thing. Jesus is the answer for your marriage. Fox News grabs it. And they put it on yesterday morning. I don't know if you know this. She was the number one trending story in news yesterday. Donald Trump, state of emergency was number two. You beat Donald Trump. So I don't know. We didn't even know that was going to happen. But the funniest thing to me is they say that Ann Wilson is the co-founder for Kensington Church. No, it said the founder. Oh, it did? It said Ann Wilson, the founder of Kensington <laughs> Church. I'm like, I love it. I love it. So anyway, we're glad to be here. We were actually in Mississippi yesterday doing a marriage conference Friday and Saturday. Got back late last night. We're getting on a plane this afternoon to head to Little Rock to do radio. And actually, we want to let you in on something that's going to be uh, public tomorrow. But Kensington needs to know this first. We're, we fly down to Little Rock uh, today to do radio with Family Life Today Radio. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's also a podcast, but it's with Family Life Ministries, who have for 40 years been based in Little Rock, Arkansas, and they still are. And they and have us. We actually speak for their weekend conferences called Weekend to Remember. We've been doing that for almost 30 years. Yeah, we. In fact, we talked last week in the video about that was the conference we went to as an engaged couple yeah. and didn't write down a single note. But uh, also, they have this great ministry and they have this radio station. Um, that radio has a radio program that has some great stuff on it for marriage and parenting. It's marriage and family. It's on 1,300 stations a day. Six million people listen to it a week. It's crazy. And the announcement is we are the new co-host co of Family Life Radio starting tomorrow. Um, pretty exciting. So on the past, we've been on as a guest. Now we're the host that interview uh, authors and different people come in and talk about marriage and family. And the president, Dennis Rainey, and his wife, Barbara, wrote a foreword for our book, and they are retiring, and we're going to be their replacement. Uh, and just so you know, that's going to be announced tomorrow, but it doesn't mean anything for Kensington. We're not leaving Kensington. Our job here is going to be exactly the same. The way we're going to do this is crazy. We fly down to Little Rock on Sunday night one time a month, and we're there for four days, and we tape 26 shows, 260 shows a year. Pray for us. In those four days. <laughs> and then we come back, and we're here. It's actually less time than it took me to do the Detroit Lions, and this is going to have a lot better impact. <laughs> that the Detroit Lions ever had, uh, ever. So anyway, all that to say, we're really glad to hear. And, and today we're talking about uh, something that we never experienced much in our relationship, but we know you guys do. It's conflict. 
You guys get in fights a lot? I know Steve, I, I know uh, Chris Arbaugh gets in fights all the time with Liz. They're in a fight right now. They went on a vacation. They're to not in a fight. They're, not They're a fight. doing great. I'm kidding. We love them. I'm kidding. But conflict is a part of every relationship. And sometimes we fight about the smallest things, like toilet paper. We actually fought over this. So we we're going to get this. your opinion. You tell me, should it hang this way? No. <laughs> wow. Yes. Hold on, hold on. Anybody? Yes. One? This way? Yes. Wow. I am right. It really doesn't matter. Here you go. You can have a little bit. <laughs> That's better than that, you know. There you go. That's yours. That's yours. Move. Um, but isn't it funny that the little things we fight over, like little things like that, actually can become huge. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about this, but we got in a fight in our marriage about how to say E.T., I'm home. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other story. Yeah, E.T., I'm at home. We got in a huge fight. That is how you say it. Yes, it is. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. I mean, you can fight about everything. I know, and that toilet paper was a real one. And you made me feel really dumb about it, because, and I was actually right. Are we going to have a fight right now? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> she was right. By the way, guys, just write it down. They're always right. Fights will go away if you just say that. You know? Oh, this is Okay, good. we're out of control. They're in the production booth <laughs> going, know. are you guys ever going to start this message? Yeah, we are right now. Here's the thing. Um, I really believe this, and I'm not alone. Many experts say the number one thing that will determine whether your relationship goes the distance or not is how you handle conflict. In fact, I wrote it down this way. They're going to pop it up. And it says the health and future of your relationship is determined by how you handle conflict. I, now, we never knew this when we first got married. Like, this is big. Oh, it's huge. And this is really big to teach your kids how to do this for their future marriages because we're all in conflict. No matter if you're in a marriage, it's school, friends, whatever. Yeah, and so even when we were writing a book, we told the publisher, we want a whole section on conflict and communication. We really did. So there's a whole section. There's several chapters uh, about this. And one of the things that we didn't know when we got married, but there's, there's patterns or styles that you and I have that we use when, we, when conflict happens. And you fall into one of these. It could be what you saw your parents do. They could be totally original to you. Uh, and you may have a blend of a couple, but all of us have at least one of these that's sort of our go-to. So here's the four patterns. The first one is win. Some people are winners. When a conflict happens, they like it. Yeah. They step into it. They're good at it. They want to win the conflict. They don't mind conflict at all. If it starts happening, they're like, all right, let's roll up our sleeves and let's get into it. They don't mind it. Yeah, and they, they're good. They bring eyewitness support reports. Photos, right? (laughs) History, right? So the second one is yield. And that means it's a person that yields to the other person and usually says, okay, I agree or I don't agree, but I still want to work this out. They, they think the relationship's more important than this specific conflict. So they'll give in. Yeah. And then the next one is the person that withdraws. And this person hates conflict. They don't want to have it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to fight about it. And so a lot of times they'll just leave to get away from it or else they'll just shut down emotionally and stonewall. And then the last one is where we all want to get to. It's a resolver. And a resolver is like, I don't care how long it takes. We're staying here and we're going to work this out. Let's, let's get to resolution. Let's get to something we'll talk about later, forgiveness today. And so it's a, it's a journey to go through. We really hope that like today you'll figure out who are you and how do you do this in your conflict? Like, which one of those are you? So we get married, and one of the opening stories in the book is, is uh, we got in a fight at her parents' house, and there, nobody was home. We're just a couple months married, and I didn't know this was my style. So we get in this fight in the family room. Again, nobody's there. Yeah, this is our first big fight. I get up, and I start walking out of the room. 
And again, I don't even know I do this, but I've done this all my whole life. And I just like leave. Like, by the way, really bad way to handle conflict. See ya. And I start walking out of the room. Well, and I'm, I'm walking into the kitchen when I, I hear. I was like, first of all, we were fighting. And so he just gets up out of nowhere and he goes, <laughs> and he walks out. And I am enraged. Like, what? And so I say, are you kidding me? Come back here and fight me like a man, you chicken. That's the title of the chapter, by the way. <laughs> Come back here and fight me like a man. As you can tell, we really had no plan or no tools going into marriage of how to have handle conflict. Well, guess what she is? She's a winner. Right? <laughs> guess what I am? I just told you, I'm a withdrawer. Like, and, and again, I didn't know exactly why, but she grew up in a family that they, they did conflict yeah, well. They talked it through. I grew up in a family... Mom and dad, alcoholics, abuse, loud fights, divorce. So I didn't ever think this through, but I'm like, you avoid conflict at all costs. It ends bad. So I just leave. I did that in relationships before I dated Anne. Now we're married. I'm walking out of the room, and I hear her yell, get back here and fight like a man. You know what I did? I turned. I came right back in the family room, and I go, yeah, we'll bleep you. And I left. <laughs> like, that's a really good way to handle conflict, uh, we were, too. <laughs> we right? were super young in our faith. We were real new. Brand new. Yeah, we had no idea. Tell them what you said. So I, I don't even use those kind of words, but, man, somehow it just came out, and I'm like, well, bleep, bleep you. <laughs> And you're like, these are our pastors. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so when she said that, I mean, I turned around like, you double bleeped me. <gasps> you sinner. I was like, that's beyond, you know. And so I, I took off and went upstairs. And I'm like, I'm I done. got out of my chair as he's walking up the stairs, and I'm right behind him. Like, we need to talk about this. And he goes into the bedroom, closes the door. I open the door. Yeah. I sit right beside him on the bed, and I put my hand on his leg. Like, we need to talk about and this. And I was so uncomfortable. Again, I didn't know I don't do conflict. And so that's why I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, what are you doing? I literally said, get out of here. And she's like, no, 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 we need to talk. So here we are, winner, withdrawer. How do you resolve conflict? Well, guess what? I'm no longer a withdrawer. Because see, back then, I used to think conflict's bad, you avoid it at all costs. No, 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 that's not true. Conflict is medium or neutral. How you handle it determines maybe good or bad in your life. And here's what I've, I've observed. Most people are bad handling conflict. They know how to have it. They don't know how to get the resolution. This is the kind of stuff, parents, you should be teaching your kids, yes. teenagers, the whole thing you need. Nobody teaches stuff. Nobody prepares for marriage. They just get married, and then this happens, and people walk away, and the marriage is over after years of never resolving conflict. So one of the things we want to do in the book, and today, is like, let's help people with real tools to resolve conflict. Well, what we've seen, too, especially speaking at, at marriage conferences and in our own marriage, instead of fighting the problem, we end up fighting each other. Yep. And then and when we fight each other, we almost use our words to hurt one another. And, and there's a battle over our marriages. And there's a, there's a spiritual dimension where the enemy of our soul, Satan, is like, yes, I have them. They're not even dealing with the issue. And so we're wanna, we want to help you learn how to deal with the issue from our own brokenness. And I tell you, if you get good at this, trust me on this, when you go through a conflict and you get to resolution, mm -hmm. you're closer and more intimate than you've ever been in your marriage yeah. or in your relationship with your kids, with and your And with God. It just is that way. And so often we don't know what to do. And let me tell you something. Communication and conflict is really about two things. Skill. You got to learn some skills. We're going to give you some skills. But more important than that, I think it's about attitude. An attitude that says when I'm in a fight with this person, or especially with my spouse, is what? 
She's valuable. He's valuable. I want to know their heart rather than I'm valuable. You have no clue. See, that's what happens. It's about attitude. So listen real close about attitude as well. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to tell you one fight story we had in our marriage. If you've been here very long at Kensington, you've heard this one before, but it's a moment in our marriage where we got into a conflict. So if you've heard it, great. But if you've never heard it, great, even better. But as you listen, here's what I want you to do. Listen for what we did right there's a lot wrong here, by the way, yeah. especially by her, but there's a, there's <laughs> a, there's you, a few things right. Yeah, and you're the counselor, so look at it as a counselor would, like, of seeing what we did right, what we did wrong, and how we should deal with it. In fact, there's four principles or action steps we're going to give you. They're all in this story, all right? And they all start with the letter S. I'll really let you see if you can try and figure out what they are. So here it is. It was uh, 15, 16 years ago. I was speaking at our Orion campus on a weekend. It was between the second and third service. So we had this little break, just like right now. And like five or three minutes before the service, I'm out in the lobby at this high school then, welcoming people to Kensington. And there's like a minute before the service and I got to rush back in there. And I see Ann, my wife, whip into the parking lot. I mean like, and there's a, there's a spot right by the front door. She goes, boom, parks this thing right there in front of the front door. Uh, Cody, who's preaching right now at Orion, my youngest son in Austin, our middle son, he's 16 and 13. They jump out of the car with mom, mom, and they come walking up to me. So, so I see Dave, like I have teenagers, so we're super late. And I, most of the people are in the building. So I pull in and I'm like, I see that spot. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And I pull in there and then I see Dave. He doesn't always greet people. He's out by the door. I'm like, look at dad greeting everybody. So I go up to him like, look at you out here greeting everybody. That's nice. And she walks up. I say, move the car now. And I instantly say, no. I said, yes, yes. Jesus gave me that spot. I said, Jesus did not give you that spot. Move the car. So I'm like, give me the keys. Give me the keys. And I'm, and I'm and getting I, ready to throw them to Austin. And he says, Austin, move and, the car. And I stand and in front of like Austin. And we're like pushing each I'm other. I'm like, no, he's not moving the car. And I'm like, yes, he is. Give me the keys. And then I got to be honest. At the same time, I'm like, hey, welcome to Kensington. <laughs> Glad you're here. Jesus loves you. Move the stinking car. And finally, I got to go. And I'm like. You move the car. I'm going to preach. Go now. And I run in the, in the auditorium. And I didn't move the car. But I go into the service and I sit in the very back row. And I'm sitting there with my arms crossed. And I look at him up there preaching. And I'm like, I don't even like the pastor of this church. <laughs> look at him up there. And so I'm going into my thing. And then I get home after the service. And you ever been in those fights that are still going? Oh, yeah. Like an hour or two hours later. So, I mean, I walk in the door. And I step into the kitchen. There she is. I'm like, I cannot believe we start yelling. And at this point in our marriage, we really didn't yell very much. Not but a lot. we were that day. That day we're yelling. And I'm saying, I cannot believe you did this. And she's firing back. And I'll never forget this. Cody's 13. He's sitting at the kitchen table. And he puts his hand up. Like I look over like, you know, what? You know, we're in the middle of this thing. And he goes, hey, Dad, uh, don't you and Mom like travel around the country and teach couples how to resolve conflict? So he says, I go, yeah, why? He goes, could you like show me? I'm like, yeah, we'll show you this. Here we go. So, so we're going at it. And here's the thing. You're, some of you are so new to Kensington, you're like, dude, what's your problem? What's your problem with her parking there? Some of you know, right? See, here's the thing. When you start a church, even though Fox News thinks Ann started it, when you start a church... <laughs> You set the core values, and there is a core value that we consider very important, and we still have it 29 years later. And you know what it is? The best parking spots we leave for the visitors. They were already in they the building. They, they were, were, were not there. They were already there. They were not there. <laughs> and so we, we've always said, man, if you're on staff here, you park in the back. If you are a member here and you say, man, I'm committed to this, 
I give up the best parking places for people trying to find God right by the front door. And so I see my wife, the pastor's wife, <laughs> violate, I mean, violate a core value from God, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I am ticked off. I cannot believe she did that. So, and so that's why I'm mad. And by the way, huh? He's trying to make his good case. One. So... I, we're so mad. I go upstairs. Have you ever done this where you're so mad you can't even figure out quite why you're so mad? And maybe you're thinking, like, why is she so mad? So I go upstairs, and I'm embarrassed to say that. Have you ever done this when you're in a fight? You start building your case, you know, of why you're right and, and, and why this is true. So I go up there, and I'm there for a while. I get it all in my head, and I come down, and I make this grand entrance. And I'm like, all right, here it is. Basically, I do everything around here. While you're at Kensington and you're doing all your stuff, I have been going to church my whole life without you. So I get the kids, I get them ready, even as babies, and I take them to church. So I'm doing all this stuff. And while you're out doing Bible says you're preaching, whatever, I'm cleaning, I'm taking care of things, I'm doing the laundry, I'm cooking, I'm taking care of all the household stuff. I mow the grass, I take care of the cars. I, ha I just, I snowboard just to be with the guys. And I wakeboard just to be with the guys. So if there's one time there's a parking spot when all the seekers are in the building, I should get to take it, right? Yes, yes, you see? Do not clap. Yes! No, no. Yes, I love this campus. If I see a guy clapping, you turn in your man card. You can't clap at that. Come on, really? Wow, they clapped every time for I you. Oh, I love it. You know she's wrong, I'm right, so... But here, here's the amazing thing. She says that, you know, I mean, she's in this rant, sort of like that in the kitchen. <laughs> and I'll never forget, Cody was still sitting there. Again, he's 13. He looks over at me. We never said a word. It was just man-to-man -man glance. And I look at him. He gives me this look. And in his look, he was saying this, Dad, you're toast. <laughs> you are toast. I mean, it's like, that's really good, you know. And so here's, here's what happened. So she goes off into that thing. And I'm sitting there at the end of the table. And when she gets done... I mean, she ended just like that. I should be able to park there. And it was just silence. And so I look at her and I said this. I go, um, let me ask you a question. Do you feel like Kensington is more important to me than you are? And she didn't even say yes. She just shook her head. And then right then I was like, boom. Oh, my gosh, there it is. It was never about the parking spot. Did you catch that? Yeah. You probably knew we that. We didn't. We didn't Because we're too dumb, I yeah. guess. <laughs> I mean, it never was about the parking spot, even though she's never going to park there again. It was never about that. <laughs> it, was, it was about, well, actually, it's about what we're talking about next week. Don't miss next week. Oh, my gosh. It's all about what is a woman's number one need? What is a man's number one need? We're going to cover both in one sermon. It's going to be hard to do. But we're going to talk about what, what does she really want? She wants to be loved. And for Anne, that means a priority. Mm -hmm. And when I said, is Kensington more important to me than you? And she said, yes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she thinks my job's more important than her. And I think back in the day, and we talked about this a little bit last week, Dave would have gotten really defensive and defended himself of why that's not true. You yeah. would have said that. That's not true. Oh, I would have yelled at her. Have you ever done this? This does not work. And this is a big, this is a whole other thing. We don't have time to talk about it. We redid a whole section about this. But it, 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 
if your spouse or your friend or your neighbor, your kids says this is what they feel, that's their perception, you may think that's not true at all. Guess what? That's it. That's real. Anne was saying, I think Kensington is more important. I was thinking, there is no, this is what I was about to do. There's no way that Kensington is more important for you. You're the most important thing in my life. How do you think that's going to go? That feels real loving, and that's doesn't how, it? That's exactly how we used to that's fight. That's how I would fight. Like, you shouldn't feel that way. Kenzie's that more important. You're the most important thing in my life. Here's what I, I matured enough to know that, oh, my gosh, if she says it's true, it is true from her reality. So don't say you shouldn't feel that way. I, my next thing was this. Oh, my gosh. What am I doing and saying and acting? What makes you feel like Kensington is more important? I never even said Kensington is not more important, even though I believe it isn't. Mm-hmm. But my actions were telling her it was, so it didn't matter what I thought. It's like, there's the issue. And by the way, one thing that I did that Ann didn't know when she went upstairs, and when she went upstairs, I was like, yeah, you should go upstairs. You know you're wrong. That's what I said. And she goes up, and I look at Cody like, yeah, how's that for modeling, right? Um, well, she was up there like 15 minutes. And while she was gone, I calmed down and I prayed. I didn't, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) I mean, I prayed and here's what I prayed. I said, God, obviously I'm missing something. I don't even know what I'm missing. Help me to see what this is really about. That prayer right there, if we would do that, and it's so hard to do in the midst of conflict, if we would go to God first, that would change so much because it's inviting God in. We don't always want God in, do we? But that time... And you don't go to God with a prayer like, show her that I'm right. You know, <laughs> make me win this thing. No, no, no. That's, see, that's attitude. Yeah. Attitude's all about me. No, no, no. Attitude, it's like Christ is like, I'm unselfish. And it is about, I want to know them. I want to know their heart. So my prayer was, help me to see what this is about. Did he answer it? Mm-hmm. Sure did. So here's the thing. Did you catch anything in there? I'm going to give you a couple uh, principles, action steps. They start with the letter S. First one is this. And I think it's really, really important to do this very early in the conflict. Here it is, two words, shut up. <laughs> I could have said it nice and said, listen, be quiet. I just thought, you got to remember this, and I got to remember this. Shut up. Quit interrupting them. Quit trying to make your point. Listen really well. That's a skill. Attitude is, I care about what you're saying, so I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to interrupt. I want to hear your heart. Because here's the truth. Behind their problem, behind what they're saying is a story. There's a story behind every story. If you don't listen well, you'll never know what it's about. This thing was never about a parking spot, but I wasn't listening until the very end. And finally, when I listened, I'm like, oh, there it is. And now we can get the resolution because now we know what the issue is. That would change everything in conflict, especially think about teenagers. I remember my teenagers, they'd get mad at something and then I would get more mad. And I thought, I wish I would have asked at that time when they're teenagers, what's really the issue behind all of this? And I, I think that does really change everything. And I love what James 1.19 says. I love how the Bible is so practical and gives us tools and skills on how to do this. Listen to what James says. James is a Jesus brother, and he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to what? Listen. Slow to what? Speak. And slow to become angry. That right there, if we would apply that, those principles in our conflict resolution, it would change everything. Just that first one, if we would be so quick to listen. And, le- and, and quick to listen means attitude. I really care about what you're saying. And, but there's some skills involved too. Like this, you look at them. You take your phone, turn it off. Put it away. Don't do what I do. Put it on my phone. Your leg. You know, you get distracted. 
Yeah, put my phone on my phone. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but here's the thing. I just saw a recent study. Maybe you saw this. They, they just proven medically that if you turn your phone off for an hour, you will not die. Did you know that? <laughs> that's like true. It's really true. You won't that, die. That is one of our biggest oh, fights that's a right big one. now. I have to get rid of that thing and lean in and say, you know what it is. So, so it's really simple, but I'm telling you, it, it will change everything. Shut up and listen. The second one is this, soft answer. Gently respond. Don't respond in anger. And by the way, we don't have time to talk about anger. There's a whole bunch in the book about anger because I had a, a major anger problem in my life that I didn't know where it was plugged into, extension cord plugged into. And so, again, we could spend a whole day talking about that. But, but at some point, you've got to respond gently, which is hard to do if you don't know where your anger is coming from. Most conflicts spin out of control because one person escalates. What's the other person do? Escalates with them, and now you've got a problem. And Here's what happens. If one escalates... Somebody's got to have the courage and the power to de-escalate, to answer soft, not loud and hard. I was going to say, sometimes when that happens, you need to pull away just for a little bit to calm down. That, that can make a world of difference so that you just calm down enough to not say things that are dumb. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. If you respond gently, look at what Proverbs says in the Old Testament. Solomon said, here, you want some wisdom? Watch, watch this. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that true? Oh, my gosh. It's so true. You say something harsh, boom, boom, boom. Here it is. One of you is escalating. Who is going to de-escalate? Who is going to soft answer? Who's going to respond? And here's what we think. They should. Yeah, right? it's, it's their fault. They should be the first one. You know who should make the first move? How about this one? Whoever is most mature. <laughs> oh, you just figured that one out, didn't you? Like, oh, maybe I should. That would show that I actually have some maturity. You know, when you just escalate and they escalate, it's just going to spin out of control. Somebody's got to de-escalate and do it. And, and by the way, did that happen in our conflict? Yeah. When? Were you listening? Did I, did I say, hey, Ann, you think Kensington is more important than you? How would that have gone? No, I asked it very gently. I'm not... Like, look at me. I was just like, when I prayed and God settled my heart, when I asked her that question, it was literally, hey, do you feel like, hear the tone of voice? All that says, let's find out what's really going on. And when she answered, it's like, okay, now we can move toward does, resolution. Does that mean you're more mature than I am? I am. That's what it means. Oh. You just figured out, huh? <laughs> hey, I think some guys actually just clapped. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, but here's what's really interesting. There's a guy named John Gottman. I don't know if you've heard his name. He's an expert therapist, writer in the area of marriage and family. Not a church guy, not a Christian guy, but um, he's a guy that if you've ever uh, heard about him, he's, he'll spend 15 minutes with a couple in, a, in an argument and watch them do conflict, and he'll tell you after 15 minutes if that couple's going to get divorced or stay married. Guess what his accuracy rate is? 98%. 15 minutes. And so he writes books on this, and he goes, here's what I'm looking for. When I listen to them and watch them, I'm looking for certain things. And one of the things he says is the number one thing he looks for is a word called contempt. And I wanted you to see his definition because it's really important. You talk about attitude, here it is. He says, contempt is the single best predictor of relationship breakdowns. That's why we say it's the number one thing, single best predictor. He says, contempt is an attitude of superiority speaking down to your partner through name-calling and direct insults. Now, by the way, as you hear that, if you just did this, like, hey, do you hear that? You're doing it. 
You're thinking they're doing it, but you're actually doing it. An attitude of superiority. And by the way, there are rules in conflict. We yes. don't have time to get all into them, but it's like football. If you step out of bounds, you're out of bounds. The play's over. You never, we don't do this. We never name call. We never direct insult. We never curse. There's that story in the book. Everybody's like, wow, you guys curse all the time. It's like, not so much time ever. Our son came to us and said, hey. <laughs> I really haven't heard you guys do that. Is that, do you do it in secret? You just cuss at each other? Like, oh. like, no, we did it one time and we wrote about it. But it's like there are rules. And so when you, when you have an attitude of superiority, speaking down to your partner, name calling, and then he goes on to say this. Look at this. He says, the critic diagnoses the problem, look at this, as a defect in their spouse and sees the relationships in terms of what's missing instead of focusing on the positive things about their spouse in a relationship. Oh, my God, contempt will destroy a relationship. Parent to child, child to parent, oh, yeah. co-worker, and marriage especially. I think we really did this. We, we got out of calling each other names or direct insults, but there was a part, I know that for me, my first 15 years probably, I think we can do this as women in terms of feeling like we're better relationally with relationship skills, and, we, and so we can have this attitude of like, oh, if you would just get it together or if you would just do this or that. And I think sometimes for us, for you, like you are harsh with me. Yep. Like you would be, you would talk to me in a way that I would say, I'm not stupid. Like you're talking to me like I'm like, you're like, and, it, and you would roll your eyes. That was contempt. Those are the things that can just crush a relationship without you really knowing it. And I did this with Dave so much in the beginning. I, I think I looked at him before when we were dating and when we were first married, like, look at you. Look at all these amazing things about you. And then I was married to him for a while. And then I was like, look at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you, because you start when you're married, you see all the weaknesses. You see the flaws that we carry in. That's marriage. That's normal. And instead of me continuing to cheer for Dave and tell him he's great, I was like, oh my gosh, let me help you get rid of these weaknesses because they're like, they have these big flaws. She actually thought she was God's gift to do that. <laughs> and I, I felt the same way. Again, we're going to talk about that next Not realizing week. that Dave felt contempt as I did this. Yeah. And so maybe some of you have seen this, but I wanted to illustrate what this looks like in this next thing. Yeah, so uh, like 10 years or so at Troy Campus, we were teaching on this and Ann did this visual thing again. I need plants. Last week it was a tandem, right? This week it was plants. And I'm like, what for? She goes, trust me. And so some of you have seen this illustration. We're going to show you a, a quick little video from that day of her just illustrating how we do this contempt thing, how we start to chop down one another. Yeah. And as you watch this video, we're going to take the offering. And so the usher is going to come forward now and pass the pouch. And it's just a good time to take that now. And I just want to say this. As I've watched what God's done here at Clinton, what a joy to watch you grow and give. Every week we see numbers of how many new people at Clinton say, I'm going to step in and be, not just attend here, but start serving here and volunteering here and even giving here. And I don't know what you give, but I know that there's people stepping in all the time. I just want to say thanks because most of you do it that way. It's the way we do it. It's digital. It's crazy. The world we live in, it's that simple and you can do it that quickly. And I just want to say thanks. As one of your founders, I just want to say thanks for giving. And if you're new here, man, jump in and become a part of this place and give all of yourself, including financially. And at the same time as you're worshiping God through, the, through, uh, through giving, God's going to speak to you through this illustration that, that Ann did. And she's the best. She's the queen of visuals. So enjoy this one. And several years ago, I tried to illustrate it this way. It's almost as we grow up as little girls, and then we get older, and we try to find the perfect man. And these plants, will say today, are men. And so we go into the market of single men, and we're like, oh, yeah, 
this one looks pretty good. He's really nice. No, and no, no, that one's a little taller. Oh. Yeah, take that one. This one right here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and this one has lots of hair. <laughs> yeah, this looks good. <laughs> just kidding, honey. Just that was kidding. me years ago. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that he'll be awesome. And so we say, you are the man. This is why, yes, yay, yeah, you, you, I choose you. There's nobody better than you. You are the man. And then we get married. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, what's that? Oh, it's, it's a little brown leaf. Well, honey, let me help you with that. I don't think you realize, but you used to be a great communicator when we were dating. Well, now you're really not such a great communicator anymore, so you need to start talking more and communicating. Here, you need to pick, oh, ooh, what's that? Oh, that's another one. Oh, I know what that is. What happened to the romantic days when we used to when we used to wine and dine and have these great romantic evenings? You're just like this quad now, and all you want to do is have sex. So what's that? And we get rid of that. <laughs> and then we think, well, well, look at this plant. There's all kinds of flaws. This isn't even helping. I need to get something else to help myself. <laughs> this will do the trick. And so we start thinking, honey, I, you really need some help, and I'm the one to help you because you're not romantic, you don't communicate, you never pray, you don't lead, you're quiet, you, you, you never give me what I need, and I'm so tired of it, and come on, meet my needs. <laughs> and then we're done. <laughs> Look at the man. And we're done, and you know what we do? We say, why can't you be more like him? <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. You've never done that, right? Oh. Never. She used to say to me all the time, why can't you be more like Steve Andrews? And I'm like, really? Chris Zarba. They're so, I'm like, <laughs> always I, comparing me. And let me ask you, if you have ever been chopped in your life, is that motivating? I thought it would motivate Dave, and it does not motivate when Dave has done that to me, it does not motivate me. And so the goal is, I, I'm telling you, it'd be great for you to talk to each other kindly today, to ask each other, do you feel like I chopped you? And be careful how you respond. Go to God first and ask him how you should respond. But even that question, do you feel like I chopped you or I build you up? Because building up is motivating. Oh, it's we'll motivating. talk about that a lot next week. And by week. the way, if you want questions to, to create dialogue in your relationship, they're in the back of the book. Yeah. We read a whole thing in there, and the other day, Ann opened it up and goes, these are really good. I go, you wrote them. No I'm wonder. like, let's do these together. Yeah, let's I mean, they really foster some conversation about all these different topics, especially this one. And that's a great question to ask, because if you don't think you're chopping, but they say you're chopping, guess what? You are. You're chopping. They'll say, I'm doing... Go, really? How? What do I do? And again, next week, we're going to talk about the man-woman thing, husband-wife thing. It's really enlightening to say, okay, what really does motivate a man and motivate a woman to become the woman and man that God's called us to become. And so it's really interesting. Again, we don't have time to get all these things, but there's just a, a couple more that I want to hit on real quick, and they're big. They're really big. And this next one, we should do a six-week series on this one word, mm -hmm. forgiveness. And so at some point in every conflict, you've got to get to a place where you either seek forgiveness, meaning you're the one that's hurt your spouse or your friend or your coworker or your neighbor, you've done something and you need to take initiative to go and say, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness. And by the way, I said ask, ask for forgiveness, not demand it. Yeah. Because they may be not able to give it right away. It may take days or weeks or months or maybe longer. 
years. You know, because you've really offended and hurt them. And you're like, you need to forgive me. The Bible says, like, good luck with that, dude. You can't force people to forgive you. If you've, if you've hurt them, you got to do the things to rebuild trust mm -hmm. and rebuild that. And for forgiveness takes time. And I think, too, some of us need to forgive ourselves. I think a lot of us walk around, we're so wounded and full of shame that we can't get victory because we won't forgive ourselves. And then on the, on the other side of forgiveness is when you've been hurt yeah. by somebody that you love and you need to forgive them. Oh, my gosh. That's hard and a process to take. And, and, I, and, and as we wrote in the book, it's like there's really two ways to live in life and especially when it comes to forgiveness. And it's visual. There's this. And there's this. You can hold on. I call it the grip of the grudge. And you have every right to hold a grudge and be bitter. And they have hurt you. And it was wrong what they did. And you can hold on to it and squeeze it tight and walk through life like this. And do you know people that do this? Yeah, people that live like this, your fists sort of match your face. Usually when people go like this, their face is like this. And they're really fun to be around. Because they're like this. You can see them driving sometimes your car like, dude. And they're just like this, right? And then you have people that live like this. And your face and your soul match. It's like, see, this is only possible with God's power. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what the final S is, and it's the most important one. Surrender to Jesus. In the conflict, surrender to Jesus. It's not about them. It's about you. Surrender to Jesus. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus says, let me open your hand. You're like, no, no, no. I, I, I want to hold on. He goes, I know. And you have every right to, but I had every right to hold on to, and I did, and I forgave you. You didn't deserve it, and I forgave you. So what I gave you, you give away. And I know, I'm standing here saying, I know that doesn't happen in a day or an hour, and it can take years. It took me 35 years to forgive my dad. I understand how hard this can be, but I also understand what happens when you let go. There's something you can't do yourself that God gives you in this act. You know what it is? Peace. We're going to sing about peace at the end of the day, and you can't get that here. It only comes Vertically from God. And so, I mean, you can hold on to it and you have every right to, or you can say, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but God, would you take me on a journey to get to this? We have to do that almost daily in our marriage. Oh, yeah. Well, years ago, um, we were learning this principle, and I was getting ready to speak to some, all the chaplain's wives in the NFL, and I was going to Cincinnati, and the car that I was going to drive had a headlight out. And so I asked Dave six weeks before I was leaving, hey, I know that you won't want to ha pay to have this done. Will you fix the headlight in the car? <laughs> Notice what she said there. I'm a tightwad, <laughs> and I'm not going to take your car in. So I said, I'll get this done. I got six weeks. I'll do it this week. And every week she asked me, did you do it? No, 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 I'll do it this week. And he said, I guarantee I will get this done for you. So I'm like, okay. But I'm I would remind him every week. In the meantime, I'm getting ready for the trip. I'm making all these notes. Our boys were little. And so I'm making notes. I'm making meals. I'm doing all this stuff. The day of the trip, he had promised me that he, on the way home from work, he would get it changed. So I get, he gets home. I kiss him. I get in the car. I put my bag in. I'm like, so you fix a headlight, right? He goes, oh, Ann, I totally forgot. And I am like, are you kidding me? You've had six weeks. I'm an idiot. And so he goes, but it's okay. I'm going to follow you, and I'll go. We'll go to Kmart, and I'll get a light, and I'll switch it. I'm like, it's too late. And he goes, no, I'm following you. And he goes, boys, get in the car. And he's throwing them in the car. Cody needed a car seat. He didn't even put him in the car seat. And I'm like, look at him. He's even a bad father. We do parenting <laughs> seminars, too. You want to come to one of our parenting seminars? And so seminars? as I'm driving, have you ever done this where you feel so justified in your anger? 
Like I was right, he is wrong, and I'm so angry. All these things I was going to teach these wives about being a wife, you know, like, you know, listen to Jesus. I'm like, no. I am, <laughs> I am thinking of all the ways I have been right. And so I have this thought, and I think, look at all I did for him this last six weeks. I prepared all those meals. What did he do for me? Nothing. And I stuffed that inside. <laughs> you know what? He's had six weeks. Kensington is more important than me every time. They always win. I stuffed that thought. I thought of all the notes that I put of scripture around the house. He doesn't even care about me. I'm, th- I just, I'm stuffing all this in. And then like, look at me. I look better too. Look and at so- <laughs> you. A little lumpy there, but other than that. <laughs> and so as I'm driving, I am going over and over how bad of a husband he is and how I am doing all the things right and he is wrong. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, have you ever done this where you feel God pressing in? And I feel like he's saying to me, Ann, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'll tell you what I'm doing, God. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and, and I don't even want to hear his voice. And so I feel like he's saying, take it out and give it to me. And you know what I say? No. <laughs> No, because I'm just going to bask in this for a while. And so I keep, I keep hearing him, can you give it to me? Can you give it to me? And I turn up the radio. And it's not praise and worship music either. I'm like, I don't want God in this because I'm going to sit in this. I want him to pay. This is ammunition for later. And let me ask you, does this help a relationship when you store up bitterness and resentment? This becomes toxic. These are the things that deaden your soul and your heart to the people that you love. And so I felt like God prompting me. And finally, I'm like, all right, I'll let it out. And so I started venting to God. Are you seeing the way he's treating me? And I lay that out. Are you seeing all I'm doing and he's not doing? And so I take out every thought and I am telling God. And that's what the Psalms do. They tell God, like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And I take it all out. I lay it before God. And I feel like God's saying, Anne, can you forgive him? And can you give me all of this and not take it back? That's the hard thing too, isn't it? You want to take it back. You might give it to him, but then you take it back and use it later. And I said, God, I give it all to you and I trust you. And I still want to talk to Dave, but I'm going to give it to you and forgive him. And I'm going to say this. This car headlight was such a little thing looking back. There have been so much bigger things later, but this is an illustration of how this toxic unforgiveness can destroy us and our marriage. I remember I walked over to the car, not knowing she'd gone through all this as we got to Kmart, and I like tiptoed over because <laughs> I felt so bad. And I just said, uh, are you okay? And she just looked at me and says, yeah, we're good. And I knew, wow, what just happened in that 10-minute drive And I knew we need to talk, and we're going to talk when you get home. But I knew something supernatural happened that she couldn't have done on her own, and I knew she had dealt with it with God. And that's how forgiveness is. You can't do it. Yeah. And there's much bigger issues than a headlight. You know that. Yeah. I mean, when I when I walked through forgiving my dad, a four-year process, by the way. The day I started, I'm like, I'll forgive him by next weekend. It was four years later when God had softened my heart to the place where I didn't want to punish him anymore. That's a definition of forgiveness. You give up your right to punish. And I had finally let go of it. I remember reading this book by Lewis Smedes where he said this about forgiveness. He says, when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free only to discover you're the prisoner. And for 35 years, I thought I was locking my dad up, but I was locking me up. I was unable to be free to become the man God had called me to be. Some of you are locked up, and it's time to say, okay, God, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give this to you today. 
and I'm going to ask you to help me start this journey to forgiveness. It could happen today. It could happen this year. But it's never going to happen until you take the first step. And the first step is surrender to Jesus. Go vertical and ask him, invite him in and say, okay, God, I'm willing to get rid of this. I've held on it for months or years or decades. Today's the day. And today, this is my year. All right, so we're going to pray for you. And then we're going to sing about peace. I'm telling you, it's a song that um, I love it. I sing it often in my car. It's a worship song that says, peace be still. Guess who says, peace be still? Jesus did. In a storm, the disciples are like, this man can stop a storm by, by words? Yeah. In the storm you're in, I'm going to invite you to stand and worship God in that song. Because like, you want peace? There's only one place to get it. Vertical. And so as we pray for you and then we sing and go vertical, it's a time to say, God, I'm inviting you to come and do something in me that I can't do without you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. The, the cross and Jesus' blood on that cross gives us peace. Peace between us and you and then peace between us and others. And it's impossible apart from you. So Jesus... We pray. We will even sing and ask you to be the stillness in our soul, to cause rest, to come into the angst of our anger and conflicts that we're in. I pray for marriages and homes that you would heal and save and do miracle after miracle right here, even today. God, I pray for spouses who have husbands or wives that aren't here and they, they feel like they have no hope. God, give them hope. It's not about their spouse, it's about them. And God, I pray you do a miracle in them. And God, bring people to forgiveness. Tear down walls, bring us to forgiveness that only you can bring us. We thank you for Jesus and we pray in his name. Amen.
You know, I find it uh, sort of amazing how God sometimes touches us, not just through a spoken word or a talking head, but through art. It's really beautiful how that works. I mean, that's why you go to a concert and you're singing, nah, 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 nah. You're like, what, what do they get their hands up for? Singing that song. Because something, God works in the gray. And so sometimes we got an email the other night. We did our book launch at Orion, and we're just talking about the back thing behind this thing. This guy sends an email and says, our wife and I are, are, are ready to divorce. We didn't talk. We're sitting in the back of the auditorium. And, I, and I, as you got up to sing, I led a song called uh, I Raise a Hallelujah. It's this beautiful anthem about God, please be there in the middle of our storm. And this guy said, I asked God before you got up to sing, God, I need a sign that we're going to make it. And during the song, my wife reached over and put her arm around me. And I'm like, that didn't happen when we were talking. That happened during art. That's how God is sometimes. It's in the artistic worship moments that sometimes we're like, what's going on right now? God works in beautiful ways. And so if you're struggling, I just say, reach out and he will meet you where you are right when you need him. And maybe it was even just during that song. There's a peace that we can't get that only he gives and trust me, I hope this isn't true for you. I hope this isn't the only time you hear that kind of music. Go vertical daily. We talked about that last week. Go vertical daily. Go vertical with your music and watch how God will speak and touch you in the middle of the week, not just on, on Sunday. And I will say this. Um, I think Shauna said, I know Chris said last week we'll sign books, and we've done that all morning. We have to get on a plane after this service. So we can't stay right now. But some of you, like, I, I get it. I, I didn't know that people really do want authors to sign their books. I didn't know that was a real thing until we'd done this. So we just found out last week, if you want to do it, and we can't do it now, if you want to meet us at Barnes & Noble next Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock, 
we were there the other day, and they said, we keep selling out of your book. What you do is book signing. So we're going there at 4 o'clock Saturday on Rochester Road. Barnes & Nobles will meet you there. I'd love to meet you there and sign anything you want and pray for you because that's the best thing about doing the book signings. We get to pray. And if you want to know where we are, just follow us on davidnwilson.com. We'd love to have you come to our conferences, that kind of thing. God bless you. We love you. Keep going, Clinton. We're praying for you. It's awesome to see what God's doing. See you later. Thanks. Thanks.